0: Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> now if you haven't figured it out, a, uh, a real church gets its instructions on how to be a real church from the Bible. Okay? We don't look at other churches and go, oh, we want to be like them, or we want to be successful like them, or oh, we want to be, have that kind of a building. We don't compare ourselves among ourselves, especially in Christianity. We find out what we are and what we're supposed to be doing from this book, the Bible. That's where we get our instructions and our identity. The Bible is our only pattern that we follow, okay? Now this morning, I want us to see how we're supposed to be the church and how we're supposed to ultimately next week, we'll really focus on how we're supposed to treat one another. But Ephesians chapter four, starting at verse 11, down to verse 16, Ephesians 4, 11 says, and he, Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, why? for the perfecting of the saints. And we need some work. We need some perfecting. For the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. You don't need to underline that phrase. This is the reason why God gave you leadership is not to, to you know, uh, be a, the, the leader, but to be the equipper so that we edify each other, so that we edify the body of Christ. Verse 13, we do it till we all come into, to, in the unity of, this, of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God We do it until we're a perfect man. Now, I want you to note that. A perfect man unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of, we're trying to be like Christ. Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, put on their YouTube, but by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to uh, to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the here's our next word phrase the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplyeth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part of the body maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love now did you notice there are four things in there I could probably talk about 10 or 12 but he keeps talking about this thing called the whole body The body of christ the perfect man then he mentions that every part of the body is supposed to be supplying the needs of the rest of the body then he says that every part of this body when it's doing its part actually grows the entire body Um, and then the body is supposed to edify itself in love it's supposed to build and improve and mature and if i were to If I were to take it out of the Bible, you'd know that from biology, that is very true. Every part of your body is working together, making you stronger, healthier, go. If when you got ready to run, your feet fell off, that would be pretty bad, okay? If when the phone rang, your ear fell off, that'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? If went to reach for the steering column and your hands fell off, you'd crash. Every part of your body's got to work together, hold together, and stay together for the body to be functioning. And the same is true with the body of Christ. Because what we're looking at is God comparing even a small assembly of believers to his body. He compares us to his body. Now, a couple weeks ago, I talked to you how the church is like a temple where worship takes place. Where the Spirit of God is dwelling in the midst and Jesus is there, and, and this is not just a, a gathering of people. This is a gathering of God's people to meet with Jesus and to learn of Him and to be like Him. This morning, we're gonna learn that church is like a body. Go to Colossians. You're in Ephesians, go to the right, go to Colossians chapter 1 in verse 23. <clears throat> Colossians 1 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, speaking to Christians and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, these Christians at Colossae, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the what? The church. So Over and over, you'll find the Bible calling a group of believers the body of Christ. Uh, The truth is, what's funny is Jesus can start with just two or three people. He doesn't need a hundred people before it's a church. He says, where two or three are gathered together, then I'm there. Because it's not just now he's already in the believer, but there's a special thing that happens where two or three get together and they, they agree together on what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to live as a church. So Jesus starts with just two or three people. And what's amazing is we represent, this is what's wonderful and yet scary at the same time. Okay? We represent what the body of Jesus Christ would look like and be like today. How do people, if they met you, would they think of Jesus or would they think of a rebel? Would they see somebody with a good attitude and with hope and joy and purpose, or somebody's just got a bad attitude and ar, somebody you want to run away from. You know, here, here, you know, movies have made ideas of what Jesus would look like. Okay, but that's not a. Do you know what Jesus looks like? I'ma scare you. Are you ready? That's what Jesus looks like today. All right, <laughs> that's Eric. That is revolutionary, you got to understand, you don't, people don't have to look like Jesus is in the movies for them to be like Jesus. How you live ought to reflect how Jesus lived. When people meet us, and especially as a church, we are his body now. His body, when he was here on earth, walked among people, touched the lepers, uh, loved people who were unlovely, ate with the the bottom of society, rebuked those who were arrogant and proud and too high up above all the common people. That was Jesus. What are we like? We are the body of Christ on earth today. Now, this leads to four hard truths. Not every church is actually a church. Just because a group of people gather for religious exercises and may be accepted by the world as a church Maybe the government accepts it. I don't know. I don't care. It doesn't mean that it actually is a church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. That means that there are other churches. The devil has his churches. So don't think that just because a building has the word church on it, that it is a church. Only born-again believers in Christ who are committed to other believers. I know people who are committed to Christ, but they couldn't care less about other believers. Wouldn't that be a what they call an oxymoron, a contradiction. You can't love God and not love people. So a church is a group of born-again believers who are committed to even other believers as a body, as a church, so that we can be what Jesus saved us to be. Uh, remember last week we talked about the word, ek, ek, not a, two weeks ago we talked about ek, uh, ecclesia. It simply means, and I'll boil it down to, a group of people called away from the world to assemble together with the goal of becoming like Jesus. That is it. The moment you got saved, you were pardoned, forgiven, but you weren't much like Jesus, okay? The purpose of now coming to church and getting the Bible and learning to pray and going through troubles is to fashion and forge a different person out of you to make you and other believers altogether like Christ. So not every Christian is a member of a local church. Go to Acts chapter two. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. You know, just being saved from hell is enough for some Christians. A lot of Christians don't desire anything more than a free ticket to heaven. Even fewer Christians know that God has placed believers in a local body of believers that they can assemble with as a church. Acts chapter 2, verse 46, and they, this group of, at that point, there were 3,000 Christians. They, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, verse 46, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They had unity. They loved being together, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And guess what? The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Uh, Question is, are you just sitting and watching spectators or are you a member knit together, fit together with other believers? We'll go back to Ephesians. I've got to show you this um, because Ephesians chapter 4, you might not have noticed it. Ephesians chapter 4, 16. Ephesians 4, 16. How many of you have heard the word tendon before? Sinew. Muscle. Okay. Fiber. All those words are words the Bible uses that describe a human body, how I have I have certain tendons in my hand that are unbelievable that when i go to pick up something that is two times my weight my fingers don't rip off that is incredible there is a a, a holding power holding me together just like it's supposed to be in a church ephesians chapter 6 in verse oh 416 think uh, sorry from whom the whole body it says fitly joined together like like your your leg is joined to your hip with a ball and joint, it's incredibly designed, fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. So when I go to move something, every part of my body is, 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 is active and is pulling or pushing it's not just my hand doing it the rest of my body tenses up and pushes if i'm reaching to pull somebody out of a hole the whole body is active so that but the point is this not every christian is part of a body they're not part of of um uh well i want to give something here not every christian is part of that body too many sit and they watch and they're spectators. And not every Christian, this is the third hard truth, not every Christian cares for other Christians like Jesus intended them to. We probably have heard of religious leaders who have fleeced their flock instead of feeding their flock. Individual Christians in this day and age are quick to mistreat Each other horribly. You're in Ephesians, go back one book to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. Galatians 5 13, 14, and 15 says this For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, what you want to do, but by love we should serve one another. That's other Christians. For the law also, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you end up not consuming, being consumed one another. So I wouldn't want to go to church like that, would you? I mean, Paul in Galatians is is worried. He says, you guys are biting and, and devouring one another. Be careful you don't consume one another. There is sometimes the devil will put stuff inside families and inside uh, friendships and even inside churches, talking about rumors and or just bad attitudes and bad spirits, where we turn against one another. And that, listen, if this hand turned against that hand, I'm in trouble. Pow! If it starts, this hand won't stop slapping me. I'm in trouble. And when Christians turn against one another, we're we're, we're wrong, folks. We're in we're in in deep demonic territory. The truth is this, we are supposed to live and act like Jesus would. That's the body of Christ. And I want to tell you how we, how we start there. Uh, go to Romans chapter 12, how we get in there and how we live there. Romans chapter 12, one of the greatest chapters of the Christian life is Romans chapter 12. And when we're going we're to see here at the beginning, in verses 1 and 2, it all begins with a choice. Being, a, being the church, I can be Craig Ledbetter just naturally. Is that not true? The moment I wake up, guess who I am? I'm Craig, okay? Grumpy Craig, you might call me. Get my coffee. That's who I am. But I must make a choice every day, am I going to be like Christ? Hello? say, well, I'm saved. Yeah, you don't have to get saved every day, but you do have to make a choice to be the body of Christ, to be the life of Christ in this world now. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore. Beseech is a wonderful word. It just simply means beg. I'm begging you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, hey, it's my body that I normally ignore that I should now present to God. I present, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't let it be all filthy and wicked and full of the world, but holy, acceptable to God. Others may think you're acceptable, but you need to be acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I mean, this is not the extreme people talk about. Verse two, and be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It begins with the choice. To be not conformed means don't allow this world to press you in an image that it wants you to be. When you were children, did you ever play with Play-Doh, plasticine clay? Did you ever play with Clay, and, and then they came out with molds, and you could, like, here, they're making a fish or maybe be something else you could make. Or I love the ones where you're making something and then ah, looks like spaghetti coming out, you know, and it's hair, and you put the hair on whatever. All of that is by pressure and by form, that clay takes on the shape of whatever you want it to be. And the world sees you and says, let's see what we can make him be or what we can make her do. Um, 99% of people live according to the pressure and the opinions of others. I'm not exaggerating. Most people are not able to stand on their own, make their own decision, and do what their conscience has determined must be done. That's why we live in such a a demonic world where sin just goes worse and worse because nobody knows how to just say, I'm not going that far. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Most of the world lives according to the pressures and opinions of others. That's why the world is depressed. Because people don't have a good opinion of them. They they rely on the opinion of so many other people. And that's why the world uses the word fashion. You ever hear the word fashion? Oh, this is the new fashion. But fashion is a great word. Fashion means to to, uh, force a shape on others shape someone's life according to your ideal. So fashion describes clothes people should wear, hairstyles people should have, tattoos everyone should get, cars people should buy, and drugs people should take. Fashion. So be not conformed is the command there. And then he says, but be ye transformed. It's not automatic. It's a choice you make. And a transformation takes place on the inside. That's why the new birth is so revolutionary because people say, well, I'll go to church. That's external. Well, I'll pray a prayer. Well, you can go through the motions, but there has to be something on the inside like when a caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. And that's the word here, be transformed. None of us can transform ourselves. Sorry, folks, but Marvel Comics is a comic. (laughs) It's a lie. Guys just don't, with gamma radiation, become the Hulk. Everybody's enamored with these people who can be transformed into superheroes. That's not where it's at, folks. Where it's at is where I'm transformed into being like Christ, which is the better. From the moment of salvation, we've passed from death into life. We've changed destination. I'm no longer going to hell. I am going to heaven. The Bible says I should be different, shouldn't I? If I'm saved, I should be at least a little bit different, but it happens when I no longer allow the world to, to form me, but I get transformed by the renewing of my mind, what I think about, what I learn from, what I, what I, what I focus on and what I wanna be like. So Paul begs and begs and begs with us to live this new life. And he calls it the sacrifice life, a living sacrifice. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, go to the right. Hold your place here in Romans. We'll come back there in a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? What? Know ye not that your body, here we learned this two weeks ago, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. What's the temple for? Worship. It's for the presence of God to be welcome and to be the one center focus. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God and you're not your own. For you're bought with a price, a very high price. Therefore, what should we do? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God, which are God's. So how am I supposed to live a life that glorifies God? Because he bought me. He paid off my sin debt and made me part of his family. I should live like I'm part of his, his family. And it, what's the price? Climbing on that altar. When the whole world is passing on by, when everybody's got their own life and following the fashions, the only fashion you and I need and want is to get on that altar and stay there until the Lord has changed us. See, when the Lord asks you to do something and says, all right, I want you to uh, stay married to that guy. I want you to stay at that job and be a witness. I want you to, um, whatever it may cost you, I want you to go and humble yourself and make things right with that person you've been angry at for the last five years. That is you willingly going onto the altar. Everyone else would go on their own way. You go on that altar and whatever it costs you to do the will of God, it's not gonna kill you probably, but it will be a sacrifice. And when you do that, you're becoming like Christ. You're becoming available for God to use as his body, as his hand, to whom you forgive. Jesus said, I forgive also. How is that possible? Because he's using you to extend forgiveness to somebody that doesn't know that they can be forgiven by Christ. So it's all because of God having mercy. By the way, what a word we could spend all day on just pondering what God should do to this world and what he is very kind in spite of. I mean, I say it all the time. How are you doing, Craig? Better than I deserve because of the mercies of God. I'm not worthy of all that, all. Oh, I mean, it's nice that, that things happen in my life, but I look and I go, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. And if God has been this good to me, can I not decide, can I not make my life back to him? Give it back and say, Lord, you, you own me. So, summary so far, a couple of things, three things. Number one, everyone who is saved is being transformed into a new life. You're not perfect yet. There's only one person who's nearly perfect, and that was um, um, uh, Dennis uh, Linehan. He was nearly perfect, remember? But every one of us is being transformed into a new life. Secondly, we should not now live according to the fears and the fashions of this world. I'm telling you. I wish I could be on my soapbox, but you've heard it enough. The television, the internet, the discussions are all fashioning God's people into people who are afraid. And the one thing you cannot be is in fear. You need to be wise about how you live and what you do, but you do not live in fear because that is being conformed to this world. It's like somebody, I mean, what if one of your best friends Gavin's got, say, some best friend and goes and colors his hair pink. So next Sunday we see Gavin with his hair, doesn't have any, with his hair all pink. What are you doing? You're letting them determine what is something cool to do. Third thing, we should live that new life that Christ has given us no matter the cost. We've got to decide that the rest of the world's going one way. I will go and live like Jesus lived. So let's go on. Christians and the truth is there we want to go back to uh, Romans now Romans chapter 12 verse 3 every born-again believer is part of something bigger than themselves Remember when you were a teenager or a kid you wanted to be something part of something big uh, when I was 15 16 we all went to rock concerts you know it's kind of stupid I would go and, I don't know why I still have hearing, but they have these big megawatt speakers there. And some of us just wanted to be as close to the speaker, because we could never get up close to the platform up there. And we tried to listen just to that beat, just moving our entire body and being there. But I wanted to feel like I was part of a huge group. People, people yearn for that because we're designed for that. So people will gather to religious crowds, political crowds, rock music crowds, even shopping crowds. How many remember, what was it, like 20 years ago where all of a sudden it became in fashion that all the shops were open all night long before Christmas? Does anybody remember where Dunn's and Roche's stores would be open all night long and people would go for the buzz? That's what people cling to or go for. Well, let me tell you, it's designed in us to be part of something bigger. Uh, Let's go. So we are part of something much bigger. Go to uh, chapter 12, verse 3. Now we pick up for I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, talking to all of us Christians, that we should not think of himself more highly than we ought to think. We call that arrogance. Don't think you're better than where God has you right now. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. means think things through. According as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. Stopping right there. Just did you see what he said? My body's got fingers and toes and... uh, uh, Lips and ears and eyes and hair, feet. It's got all of these uh, parts. And it says, uh, as we have many members in one body, and all the members don't have the same office or same function, so this finger does not do what my foot does, does it? This hand doesn't do what this eye can do. But that does not mean that the eye is superior to the hand or that the ear is superior to the eye. We all have different functions in this body, so is the body of Christ. Every one of us are members one of another. We're members of one body. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, hold in your place here, go to the right, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and your members in particular. So, he's speaking to a church, and he says, every one of you are members of one body. Some of you are toes. I'd hate to tell you which one are toes. How <laughs> many you ever stubbed the little toe? You ever stubbed your little, I mean, stubbing your big toe is agony. But have you ever stubbed a little toe? It's just a little toe. The whole body aches, doesn't it? I mean, it just crumples you. All right. It's because it's important. It has feelings too. It has a function. Uh, I had a, uh, I knew somebody that I worked with, who was messing around, and um, uh, we were uh, on the on the work in in the warehouse. I don't know how old I was. Let's say seven. I was, bef- it was probably before or after I got saved, just around there. And he bumped up against a big metal um, fire extinguisher and it fell on his foot. Now, he's in agony. Now, he wasn't my friend. He was just somebody that was there. I just knew, and they pulled off his shoe, and it clean cut off his great toe. Ooh. Do you know what he, they tried to attach the thing. I don't know what all happened there, but I'll tell you this. He had to learn how to walk all over again, because that one little, that one big toe is how you stay balanced. So, when you say, I don't matter, no, you may be the great, the big toe in a church. And if you're not there, we hobble along as a church. Does that make sense? There is something about your life that, when lived right with the believers, makes a body that pulls together and is strong, not weak, not invalid, not crippled. Some of your fingers, some of your eyes, some of your ears say, Well, I'm not like, doesn't matter. Who you may compare yourself to, just be what God saved you to be. So here's the point. Each person is part of one body of believers. Go to Ephesians again, chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. You'd be surprised at how many times Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. Ephesians 1 19 what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who just simply believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. This is talking about Jesus not only in this world but in the world which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and given and gave him to be the head over all things to the which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So each one of us is put together, is the church, which is his body in this world. How do we get into the body of Christ? Go to 2 Corinthians, go to the left, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It should be 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12. Now, this is a great illustration, okay? Just imagine there are people who are unsaved. Somebody gives them the gospel. And the Bible talks about being baptized into Christ. Do You don't think for a second that means baptized into water. Because water does nothing but get you wet. You, when we do baptize, you place them in water, underwater, and thankfully we bring them back out of the water, okay? That's baptism. But baptized into Christ is when you're placed into Christ and thankfully you never come out. Look at um, say 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Here's that concept again. As the body is one, it's one unit, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, So also is Christ. So he talks about the human body and then compares it to Jesus. Verse 13. How do we get in there? By one spirit, the Holy Spirit. Are we all baptized into one body, into his body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, Irish or Texan, whether it be bond, slaves or free. And we've all been made to drink into one spirit. Uh, So over and over acts 16 31 believe in the lord jesus christ and thou shalt be what saved saved means because of the cross you're placed right into jesus christ and and at that moment from that time you're in a part of something bigger than you ever thought could be possible you have no need to hang around with all the crowds at the at the political you may need to be there to make your voice known but you don't need to be there to feel like you're a part of something you already are a part of something bigger than this world has ever seen so his body and thankfully when you get placed into Christ he's got enough room for for everybody if if we wanted to have everybody who gets saved come and fit in this church could we fit 500 people in this church yes or no no there's not enough room in here oh okay so we'll buy another building We can hold 2,000 people. Well, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved. What if we ran out of room? You can't build a building big enough to hold all Christians, can you? But there is one body that can. Christ's body, the church. The church which is already existing. I've got a friend who's a pastor over in Australia. He's already had his church meetings. He's in the church. But his body holds every believer throughout all time, Jesus' body. But here's a great truth. When it talks about, remember the meaning of the word church? It means assembled. And Christ's body hasn't had all people together yet, it hasn't been assembled yet. Not everybody's gathered. So, what do we do while we're waiting to assemble? Um, we be that church now. Until we arrive in heaven, God calls us believers to assemble here, whenever possible especially on the first day of the week. We could be meeting on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, doesn't matter, first century church. They met every day. They love being together. But we meet together as a body of believers, a church. You ever hear of a school body? Or how about a sports body, a corporate body? So also is a church. So we're not just people who claim to follow Jesus and then go our own separate ways we are people who have sacrificed our plans and it is sometimes a sacrifice to not go out on a beautiful morning like this but we have sacrificed our plans our lives so that we can link together with other believers into one unit one group with one heart and one mind to learn how to represent jesus christ in our community as a church so we turn our world upside down in the business world we call that a company call that a corporation But in the spiritual realm, God calls it a church. Now that leads us to the final thought. Let me just make this thing and then I'll get to my final thought here. As a believer, there's a lot of people in the world and you may feel like you stand alone. You're just stuck there. There are millions of people around you, nobody living for God. They're all doing their own thing. And so God didn't ask you to stay alone. He asked you to get together with other believers because when you assemble with other believers, you're just like Jesus. Remember, Jesus was born in the back of beyond. He just walked among farms and among people that that in the crowd, he didn't stand out. He was just a normal-looking Joe. So, boy, did he make a difference, didn't he? Wow. When he would come into a town, not his air, not his clothes, not his style. But the love and the power that was in that life, people gravitated to no matter how many people were around him, And that was the life of the body of Jesus Christ on this earth 2,000 years ago. Well, that's what Christians are supposed to be. I want you to, if there's one thing I want you to get this morning, this church ought to have an effect upon our community. Doesn't matter whether you have three or 30 or 300, we should be the body of Christ living and moving and ministering among this world as his body. That's our point. So how do we do that? Say, I can't do that, I'm no good, I can't speak. So what God has done is he's gifted every one of us with spiritual abilities. Go back to Romans chapter 12 and we'll finish up with this thought. Romans chapter 12 and verse six. <clears throat> Romans 12 and verse 6. Having then gifts, differing according to the grace that is given to us. So God has grace in giving you one gift. Somebody else is given another gift. Someone else is given a different gift. Uh, At Christmas or, I mean, birthdays are kind of unique because every gift is for you. But Christmas is a little humbling because you see all those gifts and not every one of them are for you, right? Right? Well, not every one of the gifts go to one person. They're spread out among all the different people. And God determines which one you get. Verse uh, uh, 6 goes on. He says, "Whether he's, here's the first one, prophecy. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. <clears throat> he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do with simplicity. He that ruleth, ruleth, do it with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, there's a lot in that. We're actually going to start there next week and pick up some of these things. But I want you to understand, God specially, spiritually, supernaturally gifted you to do a special job in the body. I'm glad for that finger. God designed that finger to do some amazing things. God designed this ear, that ear, every part of me Working together makes for a pretty good working body. Every one of us are a part of the body of Christ, gifted to do a special job. So when we look at that list, we start off with the first one, which is a good Bible word, which is prophecy. Now, prophecy doesn't mean foretelling the future. The future is already foretold. I just tell forth the future. I can just tell you. What's happening? I don't have to have a special revelation from God. I already have a special revelation from God. So every Sunday when I'm up here preaching, I am prophesying, which means I speak for God. And that's okay. Pastors and evangelists and missionaries are supposed to have this gift, the ability to stand up and speak, knowing that a lot of people are going to walk away and hate them. There I know, people who are afraid of that gift. Oh, I hope the pastor doesn't call me to be a missionary. There's a song, Please Don't Call Me to Africa, as if that's the worst place to go. Why would you, why would you choose? Well, uh, I, I pray God doesn't call me to be a missionary. Um, I, I, you know, it's like somebody saying, Don't ask me to work in the crash. In God's kingdom, He gifts you beyond what you can do for a purpose that He would do if He were there. That's the body of Christ. So preaching, that's where you speak up for God. Sometimes you speak up for him behind a pulpit. Sometimes you speak up for him at the coffee shop. Prophecy is a gift. I didn't have this gift when I got, when I was, I got saved at 17 and I was 15, 16, 17. You and I liked, I'd stay up all night long with my telescope drawing. We didn't have, I didn't have an expensive camera and equipment to be able to take pictures of the stars, so I drew it. And I didn't I loved being alone. I'd work on electronics in my room for hours and days. I loved being alone. That was that was fine with me. And then God saved me and said, now go and stand in front of people and preach. <laughs> Say, where'd that come from? Only God. Preaching. He then says, secondly, ministry. What a good word. Ministry means serving. It's a servant where you serve the needs of one another to the lowest level. It means carrying one another. We, we call our, our leaders ministers of government. Wow, what a good word if they would live it. They're supposed to be helping us, not fleecing us and not, not running and controlling our lives. They're supposed to be doing things that make our life easier to live. Ministry. And isn't that true in a church? Isn't it nice when somebody just comes and sets up church and doesn't say, anything except I hope it's a blessing for people. sets up, fixes coffee, ministers, finds out somebody's car's broken down, runs down there, pumps up their tire, uh, replaces the tire because they can't they don't have the health to do it or whatever. Somebody mows the grass for somebody else who just just is a little tired that week or whatever. That's ministry. And that's a gift. How about the gift of teaching? You know, sometimes you spend so much time learning that Bible, God's giving you the gift of trying to find out what is God meaning? What is he saying so that you can make it plain to somebody else? There are people who have that gift. Use it for God. Jesus would sit down. He would explain. He says, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. Let me tell you about uh, what heaven is like. Let me tell you what it's like in your heart. And he taught. Now, Jesus had all the gifts. And a body of a church, a Christian body, has all the gifts as if. We're the body of Christ now. He goes on, he talks about exhorting. You know, there's nothing like if you're a child and you're in a race and you're running for a a prize and dad's on the sideline going, you can do it, go! Woo, that's my son, that's my daughter. You know what that does to the kid? I can do it. (laughs) That's exhorting. And isn't it nice when you're around a Christian who says, Look what God's doing with your life. I so envy you. You are such a blessed woman. You're such a blessed man. Boy, keep going. God's got great things for you. That's an exhorter. Some of you have that gift and you use it on on the phone or you're trying to sell something. (laughs) You're exhorting people to buy something. Why don't you exhort one another? Make sure everyone stays encouraged. Then there's the gift of giving. You know, sometimes God gives people money so then give it away. That's the gift of giving. A lot of people have the gift of hoarding. Mm-hmm. Just a little more, Lord, just a little more. <laughs> the Lord says, no, I gave you that money to give away. There are people who don't think one second about themselves. They get extra money and they give it away. It doesn't matter where they are, downtown Cork or in church or whatever. Just money just goes right through them. That's the gift of giving. You hear of a need and you just take care of it. You don't get, you don't blow a horn, you don't put your name under it, you just give and give and give. And you know, probably the the, the best thing you could ever do is covet that gift to be able to just give without second thing, because you are the best, you are the you are blessed the best. How about ruling? Now, ruling is a good Bible word, but it just simply means managing, decision-making, guiding, and uh, some people have the ability to look at a problem and go, this is how we get out of this. This is how we do this. Let's, let's plan this event. and stuff." That's the gift of management. Some people are great with business. They coach a, coach a sports club, and they never realize, you know what, I need to be helping out with Bible clubs. And the last one, mercy. That's showing kindness in a very angry world. That's showing kindness to people who don't deserve it. If you have mercy, it's like a nurse or a doctor. Somebody comes in and they were racing, they were they were they were um, uh, they were joyriding. They they stole a car and they just took off and they ran over a, a roundabout and when they crashed, they're in pieces. And when the nurse looks at them, the nurse doesn't care where that person came from, what they were doing. That nurse or that doctor just gets busy and loves on them and and helps them and patches them together without question. That's the gift of mercy. You don't care who you're dealing with. I don't care whether they're, they're as far away from God or how wicked they may be or how ungodly they may be living or how blasphemous is their mouth. They just have mercy on them. They just love them. They just care about them. They keep witnessing to them. Wouldn't you say that'd make a great church? Have people full of all those things? That's what we're supposed to be. God saved us and he's gifted every one of us to serve in this church. You say, well, I wish I was a great preacher. What you mean is you wish that you were out on television or YouTube and people were uh, admiring you instead of, I wonder if I could preach behind that pulpit and be a blessing to this church sometime. I wonder if, if my, my experience and my walk with God could be an example to somebody else here. All of those gifts were given to you to minister and care for the body of Christ here in, in this. And we'll talk about this next week where it is how do we treat one another. And the rest of chapter 12 is chock and rock full of a list that is just amazing. So next week I'm going to talk to you how the member of Christ's body, the church, are supposed to treat each other. It's kind of unique how the Bible doesn't just say, oh, you figure it out. No, it gives us clear instructions. By way of review, let me say every one of us who is saved is already transformed into a whole new life. I've already got a new life. I just need to grow up in it and be it. I need to live it every day by choice. We should all live that new life no matter the cost, and it will cost you. If you're going to be a Christian at school or at work, you're going to go against the flow, and it'll cost you. And home life's not going to be the same. Everyone who is saved is part of one body of believers. A huge church It's called Christ Church. But because Christ Church hadn't all assembled yet, we're not all in heaven yet around him. We assemble here. And we're his body here in Balancholic. By the way, we encourage other churches that are over there and over there. And we all just keep representing Christ's body, living and acting like Jesus. Each member is gifted to serve in their church. I tell you the story I've mentioned before. You might remember this guy named Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley picked up a guitar when he was very young and started to play it, started to sing. And he used to sing in Sunday school. The teacher would get up and says, Elvis, I mean, what a name, Elvis, where, did they, where they came from? I don't know. Elvis, we're gonna sing Trust and Obey. And he would get up there and he start singing. It wasn't, he wasn't shaking his, his hips yet. But he was playing the guitar and the people would sing and God would be honored and that Sunday school would grow and it just set the ambience. Then somebody discovered Elvis is singing and says, you can do more. And he quit going to church and he quit singing for God and he sang himself to death trying to make people think he was the king. He wasted the rest of his life. What a shame where he was using his gift, wasn't he? to be a blessing to the body. and Instead, he cursed his own life and he cursed this world with music. Oh yeah, it's fun music, yeah. To what end? To what end? God has gifted each one of us to minister here and to serve one another. So I'll ask you questions. Are you a member of this body of believers or are you just a spectator? Well, I come to church? I'm glad you come. Everyone's welcome to come. But don't you think we ought to link up and and be together as a a body of believers? Are you serving in this church, carrying people who are wounded and hurt and need help, and that's what we're supposed to do? Or are you a spectator just watching? Oh, look at so-and-so. Oh, he loves serving. Oh, she's such a good teacher. Oh, he's such a good pastor. And you're just watching. I'm gonna plead with you like Paul did, present yourselves. Your body's a living sacrifice. Say, I'm going to put myself out. I'm not going to think it. I'm going to get out of my chair and I'm going to say, I'm going to be a part of the body of Christ from today forward. Are you a member? are you just a spectator? Father, bless what we've heard today. We take these things as, as gospel truth that what we are is something big. You sent your people out just a few, just 12, he sent them out, turned the world upside down and they did, but they didn't do it just individually, they did it as churches, as examples of what you were like as a body. It's nice when somebody meets one of us and they see Jesus in us and boy, that's our goal, but one person is not going to meet all the needs of everybody, but a church can Group of people who are gifted with different things and fit together like a body with all the different members. So help us to love our church. Help us to prioritize our church so it would be something we, Lord. It's Sunday. I don't care if it's a beautiful day or it's lashing rain. It's priority. We got to be more like Jesus because Monday people need to meet a Christian, somebody like Christ. And if somebody's not saved today, Lord, they're just Spectators, they're just watching, entertained. Let them realize they may not have another chance. Today's the day. Today's a good day to get saved, get born again. Jesus died for them. Jesus gave his life so they could get eternal life. Would you help somebody get saved? Talk to me. Look in the Bible and and turn to Christ and realize he wants them. The rest of us, maybe just... Bond ourselves closer than ever, tighten up our our grip on one another and bless one another in Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me. We'll sing softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling calling for you and for me see on the portals he's waiting and watching watching for you and for me come home come home ye who are weary come home earnestly tenderly jesus is calling calling O oh, sinner come home why should we tarry when jesus is pleading pleading for you and for me should we linger and heed not his mercies mercies for you and for me come home come home you are weary come home earnestly tenderly jesus is calling calling oh sinner come home father as we get ready to go home go back to life and everything don't let anything that we've heard today just fall to the ground i pray that it makes sense it resonates and that it grips our heart and it comes out our feet and our hands and our mouth lord that we realize we're some part of something bigger we need to start living up to it we need to start being what you saved us to be we use the word church we don't even know what it means i pray that by learning about the body we learn that we have a function we have a part we have a place we have a purpose we have something to do may we be busy doing that not trying to do what everybody else just do what you call us to do so that this world gets turned upside down it always has been turned upside down by faithful churches small and large doesn't matter who love you and love the body, so bless as we go home, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.